Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now person has a ready How's it going, everybody? My name is Joey Galvez, and I am here to uh, talk to you guys a little bit about a cool book and a creator that I uh, I stumbled across on Kickstarter a while back. We had recently spoken to him before, but my computer crashed, so what we're doing today is we're going to be talking to him about his book and his uh, awesome stuff. Uh, but let's bring him in here for you guys. Welcome, Edward Davis. How's it going? Creator of Immortal Era. Uh, before we get into uh, this thing here, um, please, can you tell us a little bit about Immortal Era and give us like the, the, the log line, the synapses, all that good stuff? Sure. So, Immortal Era, it takes place in a world where nobody can die. So, the basic premise is in the year 2000, there's a mysterious event that renders the entire world immortal. But with their immortality, they don't gain any kind of abilities, they don't gain any kind of powers, they continue to age, they continue to get sick. If a limb gets cut off, nothing's gonna grow back. One of my main characters is a decapitated head who continues to live. So the story then moves 200 years into the future and we see kind of the messy world that would become if nobody was able to die. So you have overpopulation, overcrowding, Half the population is forced to live underground in these abandoned subways, and the other half live in these big crumbling cities, but still walk around with their feeling of superiority. So it focuses on a group of heroes who are on a mission to save humanity by killing them, bringing the natural life cycle back to the world. That is an absolute crazy, crazy idea for a book. That's a hefty, hefty thing to kind of undertake, especially mm-hmm. something like that. There's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Um, do you did you find that it was increasingly difficult to kind of keep that going or or how do you keep it grounded? The, the way the, this story started off as a novel. So I was writing it. I started writing it back in 1998 when I was in college and I pretty much when I was writing it back then and through the years, it kind of came in and out and all these giant notepads. I have all the major beats of the story, all of the big moments. I know what they're going to be. I know the mythology of the world. And if I get cornered at a Comic-Con table and, you know, someone comes at me with a lot of questions, I generally have an answer for all of them. So for me, writing this script was just knowing every big moment. Every single thing that's going to, you know, be those wow moments for the audience. You start with knowing all of those. The harder part for me is filling in the blanks, kind of, you know, here's your big moment, but we got to get to it. It's not just, you know, one big moment after the next. You know, my first big moment doesn't come until issue six. So we got to work our way through it. And while 
I'm writing issues one through five. We're building the mythology of the world. We're giving, you know, there's pieces of exposition. So we, we get to learn the rules of, of the world because, you know, the, the simple rule is no one can die, but what happens from there? Because how are the, how's the government going to control overpopulation? So it's got a lot of things like that. And, you know, and people that have read it say, I sense this, you know, this, this war brewing between the two groups. You have the underground, the poor, they're, they're overrun with gangs and they're overrun with, you know, just starvation. There's cannibals. So you have that group down there and then you have the group on the top. And when you see them, they're all kind of staring at their screens, not a cell phone because we're 200 years in the future, but they just have these screens and everybody's kind of walking with their heads down. So they're just blind and impervious to everything that's going on around them. And eventually that's going to bubble up and something's going to happen. So there's a big beat for like issue 15. So I have to know all the big moments and then fill in the blanks from there. Because when it's all said and done, I'm hoping for it to be about a 30 issue series. Wow. wow. And some people like to say to, to kind of, you know, establish the, you know, the character Bible or, you know, you've heard people kind of keep little Bibles of their characters and things of that nature. It, it makes it easier. The process definitely makes it easier. But do you find that it's increasingly difficult to kind of do that with your characters and with the story? Um, what I want for each of my characters is to have a level of growth for each one. So, the initial character Bible that I wrote and sent to the artist, that character Bible establishes them when we first see them. By the time the story's over, a lot of them should be completely unrecognizable from the from their entry point. So for me, the character Bible was just their entry level and what we're going to see the moment you pick up issue one. Here's where the characters are. But one thing that I had to do, and I do this for any character I put on a page besides, you know, just standard background characters. But if a character talks, I have to know their entire backstory. I need to know their entire history, even if it's never established in the book, even if it's never once hinted on, I need to know everything about this character. So we open up with a news reporter. She speaks for maybe, you know, five or six panels and then you don't see her again, but I had to write an entire backstory for her, what makes her tick. And that's kind of the difficult thing is like with your major characters, it's easy to give them an established backstory and grow upon it. But when you're dealing with these small little side characters, you still want to give each one of those characters their own voice and their own depth. And that is what I find to be difficult a lot of times. Sometimes there is that moment where you you find it a little like uh, uh, like you got those major beats and it's fun to write out the action and all that stuff. But when you get to those moments where those low moments where you're kind of you're getting you're kind of building up to to those uh, uh, big, huge, grandiose scenes. Yeah, I find that it's hard for me to kind of focus on those. And, and I find that I feel like my strength is probably writing those those uh, action bits or those more mm-hmm. healthier bits but then then i kind of you know does it does do you find that you you do the same thing or how do you attack something like that when you when you feel those feelings yeah i think i definitely feel that because i think about issues three and four issue three there's no major action we get a backstory revealed of the character i was saying is a decapitated head we get his backstory revealed in it and it's a lot of exposition and world building 
That one took me forever to write. That one was just a, a grueling slog. Then issue four is a big showdown between two characters we've been waiting to see fight. That issue practically wrote itself. That was, you know, that one took me three weeks to write, whereas issue three took almost three months because it's just character. And, you know, the action, it's just fun. And everybody likes to read the action, likes to write the action. But building the world between is the lot is a lot more difficult. So issue six, which is it's written and the art team is already halfway done with the work on that, even though we haven't released issue five. That book has a lot of action. It's kind of the culminating action between the split because the the group has to divide and half are in the underground, half are above on the surface. And you get these, you know, these huge moments. And these were, that was one of those big beats. So that issue was easy to write. But then seven, kind of the aftermath of that, of the big showdown in issue six, that was a much harder issue to write because it's a quieter issue. It's, it's more focusing on, what happened to these characters after they've had to deal with this, you know, huge ordeal. So that issue took a lot longer and was a lot more difficult to write than the one that came before, where it was just a, you know, a big action moment. So yeah, I find those quiet moments are the hardest to write, but I think they're the most vital because people want to know your characters. You don't want just one dimensional flat characters. If if anything should happen to one of your characters, you want your audience to be devastated because they know so much about them. They've grown to love them other than who was that again? And they have to flip back to realize what character it was that even died. So how do you get through those slog moments? Like how do you get excited to write those? Because that is key. Cause you're absolutely right. People don't just want this one dimensional character. They, that we're, we're not one dimensional, right? I mm-hmm. have so many different aspects of my life and maybe I fail in one place and I excel in another. How, how do you uh, get through those moments where you're just like, ah, oh, this is just such a drag. I am writing this, but you, in that moment, you still have to be at the top of your game so that those yeah. moments don't feel like a slog when the readers are reading it. For me, it's a lot of, I just, I, I do a lot of running. So when I'm out on one of my runs, I start running through dialogue in my head. I'm like, okay, I need a conversation that's going to pull this story forward. So I'll just start running through the conversation over and over in my head and trying to come up with the, the way to make the, the conversation flow. So when the audience gets to it, they can really feel like it's, it's building upon the characters that they love. So for me, it's, it's just running through that dialogue for maybe an hour during a run and then getting home and immediately just writing down everything that I came up with. And then you take it the next day. I like to set it aside. Okay. I've come up with this dialogue. So I come back in that next day and say, okay, what's useful here. A lot of it's just going to be thrown out and never seen again, but you start to circle the pieces that you know, you can use later and you just build on those pieces. But yeah, it's, it was definitely a battle. And then for me, writing a new story arc has been the new challenge because I finished the first one. The art team's already working on it. It has an ending that I I like, but now I got to start over and we're going to just kind of press the reset button. So if you're a brand new reader, you can jump in an issue seven and understand what's going on, but I have to build to another moment. So trying to get through that moment. I finished issue seven, but issue eight has been one of those, those battle issues where it's just, 
I can feel it's going to take me a longer time to get there. But in the end, I think they're all, they're worth it because you're building towards something big. And, you know, if you just immediately hit that big moment, it's not earned and the audience isn't going to feel like it was, it was what they wanted. Yeah. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking to Ed Davis a little bit more about uh, his book. And I want to know more about your process. So once we get into this, we're going to dive deeper into the process. How's that sound? Sounds great. Now we are back with Ed Davis talking about Immortal Era. And I need to dive a little bit deeper. I know I got we got pretty deep into there. But I, I want to know, like, what kind of advice would you give somebody who's who's starting to write a script for maybe the first time? And 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 what would be the very first thing that they would do? Uh, like, because that's one of the first things. Because, number one, I, I started writing a script myself without knowing what a script mm-hmm. even looked like. And that is probably a yeah. lot of what everybody out there who would love, who reads comic books and would love to kind of dip their toe in a little bit. So, what would your advice be? What would the very first thing that they would need to do if they were going to be starting a, a scripting process? Um, the first thing is you've got to find a format that works for you. Cause what you're going to discover is there's no one way to write a comic script. There's one specific way to write a movie script. It's universal. It's agreed upon, but with comic script, it's just a free for all. So the thing that I did was I have, you know, huge collection of comic books and all kinds of graphic novels and things. And if you flip to the back, you see those script excerpts. So I just started diving into those script excerpts like, okay, this format doesn't work for me. This one looks okay. And you just start playing around with the formats that you think might be the ones you like. And what I started doing was I started playing around adapting an album. The Decemberists have this concept album, The Hazards of Love. And I thought, okay, here's how I'm going to learn how to write a comic script. I'm going to adapt the story from that album into a comic script and I'm just going to play around with it because there's no there's no stakes I'm just doing it for fun I know I'm not going to publish this but it gets me practiced in the format yeah such a fun concept and and, and under and and kind of doing something like that like, like going and grabbing a, a music uh, a band an album and creating a comic book or a script just to for just for like a little fun thing you know i i had a, f- a bunch of friends who uh, actually um challenged me to they said hey if you're looking wanting to do it you know write a four page script Keep it mm-hmm. short. Keep it sweet. You don't. You, and yeah. And and think about it as you're just doing this for fun, and you're not going to shop it around. You're not going to do anything mm-hmm. with it. Um, you're doing it for fun. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and and I did. I'm very blessed to have a lot of friends like you who 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 are able to talk about their scripting process, and they're not scared to kind of let it out there and say, "Hey, this is what I do. This is what works for me. Maybe mm-hmm. it won't work for you, but this is what I do." Um, yeah. all of that stuff helped me out and, and, and even further, because now I've got people that are like, Hey, let me read that. Let me check it out. Be like, all right, cool. Yeah. And, and, and that's such a cool thing. So do you, do you find that surrounding yourself with a lot of creatives that are very similar minded is, is a, a detrimental to, to not detrimental, but, but, um, helpful to, uh, to your process or to the scripting process? I think it is. And I know when I started, I was kind of, you know, I was on an island. I didn't go onto social media and discover how many creators there are out there that are willing to lend a hand and willing to talk to you. But I found a few through Instagram that I would just have a lot of back and forth with. We were both 
writing our first scripts, our, our first official scripts that were going to be published. And we just kind of talked about our struggles, talked about our, our victories. And it was good to have someone to bounce those ideas off. Because when I first started, I just, you know, like I said, I started flipping in the back of books because I had no idea what a comic script should look like and realized there's no way it should look like. It should look like something your artists can make a comic book out of, basically. Right. <laughs> yeah, and and finding finding that one artist who clicks with you is is very mm-hmm. uh, is also a difficult task. So how yeah. how and, and it's a huge undertaking. And mm-hmm. I, I and maybe I've got uh two questions here out of this one. When okay. when is it smart for a scriptwriter to start looking for an artist? And the second part to this question is how difficult is it to find that artist? Yeah, for the first part, I would say for me, I waited till I had two full issues written. I wanted the first two issues written, and then of course all of the first six issues fully outlined so that the scripts were just gonna flow in their own way. And that's when I started to search for an artist. And I just went on, I don't remember the name of the website. I just Googled art, you know, comic writer seeking artists. And you come up with this huge message board. And through that message board, thousands of artists posts with links to their different portfolios. So for me, it came down to, all right, this style looks a little too cartoony. This one may not work because of whatever reason. And I sent the the small character Bible to two or three different artists. And, you know, of course, then you have to figure out what the page rate's going to be, what's affordable that you can actually pull off. So that's another thing is people don't realize when you're going to start to make a comic book, unless you're the writer and artist, it's not a cheap endeavor. So you have to find something within your budget. You have to find the best artist that you can afford, essentially, so it became, okay, this one's his, this art is spectacular, but the page rate is way above my means. So you have to find the one that works for you. And then you let them start to have a run with the characters and see what they can design. So when I found the artist that I'm working with now, Caesar, um, he luckily brought a team with him. He said, oh, I've been working with, with this woman on colors in another book. So can I bring her in? And I saw her work and loved it. So it was lucky for me that he brought the colorist with him and he does the pencils and the inks himself. So when it came down to that, I think I had talked to several different artists, but when I talked with Caesar, we just really clicked. And I thought this is the guy I want to work with for this book because he had this attention to detail that I loved because, you know, he's, putting these nice, deep, elaborate backgrounds. So I know, okay, I can take this script way up. And I have scenes that I'm writing in issue eight that a lot of artists would say, you're out of your mind to think I'm going to do 20 TV screens all with different images. But I know with Caesar, he's going to be like, oh, this is going to be fun. I can't wait to to tackle this. That's so cool. Uh, We had a comment here from Patrick D. Foreman. He is uh, one of the co-creators on Black Cotton from Scout Comics. And he said that is so true pertaining to to your to your answer to the question there. So super cool. Thank you for watching, Patrick. Uh, And if you guys want, he's He's, he's got some new music out. Go check that out. Just type his uh, his name into Google. And he, he's a gospel singer and a comic book creator. So an amazing, amazing artist all around and an amazing person all around. Thank you for watching. 
Um, Super cool. Um, I, I I love this because uh, um, you know it, it's this is where I'm you know at in this point. And, and I think mm-hmm. this is one of the reasons why I started this this show, and to to talk about the scripting process and the and the creative process, because I was so intrigued on how, so how this is the one thing like you said this is the one medium that there is not one specific way the right way to do it, and yeah. and I love that because so many different people from learning from from this show is every single person that I've spoken to. It has a different way and a different process, mm-hmm. and each uh, creator that you work with, uh, you kind of tend to kind of take on different traits and and to to accept uh, positive traits uh, from one another. Do you find like yeah. when you work with this team that you guys kind of develop something amazing that that you guys didn't have before? I think so because I mean the first issue, we were just trying to feel each other out. So we were trying to realize, you know, what each uh, each person's sensibilities were. But now that we're actively working on the sixth issue, I think we have a really good flow now. So I can be a little less elaborate in the scripts and give him some creative freedom himself. He doesn't have to feel chained to my script because he knows, okay, I have a little artistic freedom. And he'll always say, okay, do you, what do you think about this? Do you think this might work a little bit better? And he knows that I respect his input and that I know this is his baby too. You know, for all of us on this art team, we're not doing it for the, you know, the trucks of money that are going to get driven up to our house. We're doing it because we love the process and we love making comic books. So knowing that, knowing that, okay, he's a respected piece of the team. And then if he suggests a change, sometimes I'm going to say no, but oftentimes I'll say, okay, because sometimes I'll say no in the script, this is a piece that's needed. And I work with my wife, she works with the editing and sometimes she'll say, okay, we might want to change this. And I'll say, no, this is important for issue 10. So I kind of know certain things can be changed and certain things it's like, okay, you got to, you got to suck it up. And you have to know that you can't just have all your ego involved in this. You have to be willing to make sacrifices and changes because it's, you're working with a team. If if you want to do it on your terms, then you write a novel. Cause then there's nobody else involved. <laughs> you know, I have, I have a wife who has been editing everything that I do, uh, since we were married too. So <laughs> super cool, man. I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, but, uh, please tell everybody where they can find the book, you on social media, all that good stuff. All right. So the book, we just finished up our, we just finished a Kickstarter for issue four. The issue five Kickstarter will be launching next month. And in the meantime, you can find any information on Finish Line Comics. And that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all just under Finish Line Comics. And then finishlinecomics.com. There is a web store. I'm going to be adding issue four to the web store next week. I hadn't added it before because I was still fulfilling Kickstarter pledges and had to see kind of what was left of the inventory. And then I'll be doing a few upcoming cons in the next few months. I'll be at the Tampa Bay Con next, uh, actually this month, it's July now. So I'll be at the Tampa Bay Comic Con out there. And then in October, I'll be in Las Vegas and then back to California cons. Once they reopen in December, I'll be at Los Angeles and Ontario. So I'll finally be able to be back out there on the con scene because that's something I've I've always loved actually talking with people. So 
Um, so I saw someone just posted the comic. When will the trade paperback be coming out? What I'm hoping with for the trade paperback is by December. So the team is working right now. Issue five is nearly done. We're just working on lettering now. And then, of course, edits after edits after edits. But the principal artwork is what takes the longest. So um, will I be at Megacon in August? And this is Pat- I will. This is Patrick I'm- Foreman who is asking these questions. I'm not sure where Megacon is. I'll be at the Tampa Bay Comic Con, but Megacon, I won't. There's one I'm going to do in August, but it's a really small one. It's just one of those kind of swap meet ones in Banning. So Orlando, I won't be in that one. The only one I'm doing in Florida is the Tampa one because we're actually, I'm from California. So we're kind of making that a part of our family vacation, seeing some things in Orlando and then going to the Tampa Con. So I'll be at that one. And then the trade, we're hoping for December. It, that latest January or February of next year. But I really want to do something special for the trade when it comes out. So I'm going to talk with when issue six comes out, I'm going to talk with some artists that I know that I've met through kind of networking on Facebook and see if I can get some special covers done with, you know, indie artists that I love and just makes issue six and the trade kind of a, a big moment because making it to that trade. I mean, if, if, one thing you need to know when you get into indie comics, it's going to be expensive and people don't realize that. So making it all the way to issue six, I just want to something big and fun to celebrate it. So that trade I'm hoping for December, but I may not launch in December. I just, cause I know it's, you know, that's Christmas time and people don't have the same kind of funds to spend. So I might wait till February and fulfill in March, but the principal artwork will be ready by definitely by the end of the year, when issue six comes out, we have the artwork. We'll go back and do a little bit of a couple tweaks here and there, some lettering things that will need to be done. And then a couple panels that have just bugged me. I'm like, okay, we're going to redo those ones for the trade. But yeah, I mean, it, everything's moving pretty well. And the art team is moving at a, at a fast pace now where it's actually putting pressure on me to get my butt writing some more. And sometimes that's, that's the thing that kind of lights your lights a fire underneath you to kind of get moving um mm-hmm. so super cool man i appreciate you i've got so much more questions but we can save that for another time when you come on um super Sounds cool good. awesome man thank you for uh hanging out with me right here on the house of indie and listening to us all over wherever you guys listen to podcasts we are exclusively on the geek collective and angel radio network this is joey galvez with ed davis we will see you guys next time Comment books and follow me on the Twitter.